Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. Thank you for chiming in and thank you for listening in. I'm so glad to have you guys today. I have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guest for you today. Um, Her name is Dr. Cheryl True. Um, She's a great friend and colleague. Say hi to everyone, Cheryl. Hey, everyone. Uh, Cheryl and I go uh, way back. Uh, how how far do we go back? At least a couple of years now. We've uh, met in uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have been a member since 2013, and I think somewhere early in that first few years, um, we crossed paths. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. It, it's, it's so much fun, and I can't wait to share your unique uh, story and journey. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Dr. Cheryl True is a board-certified family practitioner. She's also board-certified in lifestyle medicine. Uh, right now, she is located in uh, Davenport, Iowa, and uh, she's the founder of True Lifestyle Medicine, which consists of uh, a CHIP program, which is a complete health and improvement program. She's a facilitator for that, and she's also a group leader for uh, Walk with the Doc program and also Heartland-Rooted Plant Pure Pied uh, organization, which is a regional organization, which she's going to go into more of. So, Cheryl, thank you so much for coming in. Um, Tell the audience, let's start off by um, how did you get to this point um, in your journey through medicine, through uh, finding your way through a a plant-based, you know, lifestyle? How did you get here? Thank you for asking. That's a very good question. Um, and thank you for having me on this wonderful show, by the way. This is awesome. Uh, you know, so it was interesting. I, I think for most of my life, I had an interest in things like nutrition and health and wellness, although I don't know that I ever labeled that that way. Um, at some point in life, I was going to be a veterinarian until I was in college, and my asthma and allergies kind of really said that that would not be a good career choice for me. So I'd, I'd worked for a while before medical school. And as a kid, I used to watch the show Quincy. He was a medical examiner. And mm. once I decided to go into medicine, I kind of figured I'd become kind of like Quincy. You know, I'd be in the lab. I'd worked in the lab. And I kind of figured that was my career path. You know, I, I didn't really want to work with people, at least at that point, I thought. Um, and when I went to medical school, uh, decided to do family practice and, you know, family medicine. So worked in family medicine and and loved what I did. Um, Although, you know, things were lacking. There were things that I thought I could do better for my patients, and yet I didn't have some of the tools to do that. Um, As I headed off to medical school, my dad had said, now, don't you become a pill pusher? And at some point I realized that I was a pill pusher. (laughs) And, you know, that's kind of what we were trained to do. You know, oh, got Mm -hmm. diabetes, here's your medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though I talk to my patients a lot about healthier lifestyles, you know, eating better and moving more, um, it, it was something I didn't have the power to help them achieve outside the clinic. 
And so somewhere in about 2013, I was at a little conference, and a, a, a physician was telling me that she was studying functional medicine. I was mm. like, what is functional medicine? So I, I went and looked and found a lot of exciting things in functional medicine, but there were still some parts that, that they weren't me. They weren't the practice style that I was looking looking to achieve. And somewhere in that time frame, I had some random email that had something about lifestyle medicine. I was like, what is lifestyle medicine? So as I opened this email and I'm reading through whatever the information was in there, I'm like, oh my goodness, this this is what medicine should be. This is the kind of practice I want. Where are these people? And so I ended up uh, signing up for the ACLM conference in 2013, and it was interesting. I had I had three conferences that month. One was an ideal medicine retreat in Oregon mm-hmm. um, that was trying to help us learn that you maybe didn't have to be stuck on the hamster wheel, the assembly line medicine, that there were other options for physicians out there that allowed you to be in the kind of practice that you wanted to have and have those relationships with your patients that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I went to PrimeMed, and there was this big um, uh, topic of physician burnout, and that was very interesting to me as well. And then I landed at ACLM, and it was like I found my tribe. And mm. so I really, uh, you know, from that point in, I tell everybody I jumped in with both feet and said this is what medicine needs to be, and mm-hmm. uh, went from there to become a health and wellness coach with Well Coaches. Um, did a T. Colin Campbell plant-based nutrition certificate, of course. Uh, did the Ruby RX uh, culinary program. Uh, became a chip facilitator. Started the walk with a doc and the Plant Pure Nation pod. So really, just finding ways to bring lifestyle medicine to life in in my life and in my community. Yeah. Oh man. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so it's uh, in a way um, I you know, been uh, doing this for a little bit, not in terms of just the podcasting, but also in terms of, you know, just having these conversations like we're having. And uh, I meet, you know, people like Dr. True, um, you know, uh, and, and so many of my other peers and colleagues have very, very similar shared sentiments about, you know, wanting to do more than what is being, you know, um, you know, preached, taught, you know, um, you know, in terms of, prescribe, you know, things like that. And we know that, you know, at the heart of every physician, you know, we have taken, you know, kind of what we call a Hippocratic oath, you know, um, and it's something that is, you know, uh, at the very least do, you know, no harm. But, you know, for me, like I, I, you know, have found and learned and taught myself that, you know, you know, we don't want to just, I don't want to just serve, merely survive. I want to like actually thrive, right? And so I had to learn all these different tools like, you know, like you, Cheryl, and, you know, what can I bring more to the table for the patient? And so that is, you know, that's awesome that you're able to have so many different tools um, at your disposal to be able to share, um, you know, for your patients and clients and things like that. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about um, burnout. And, um, you know, you and I uh, have, you know, obviously met um, at, you know, ACLM, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. We, we also actually um, went further and uh, we actually went on a physician wellness retreat together in um, La Fortuna, uh, Costa Rica with uh, uh, Dr. Henry uh, uh, Villegas. And um, we, we uh, learned a lot, you know, and the topic of physician burnout and physician wellness has been, you know, um, a very hot topic, um, at least in the, you know, recent 
uh, you know, couple of days, um, you know, with uh, if I didn't me- uh, misread, it's actually an official medical diagnosis now, um, according <laughs> yeah, to the World Health World, Organization. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, from the WHO. And so, uh, you know, we, 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 we jostle with this because, you know, I know and I'm sure you agree that, you know, if the physician, you know, we're human at the end of the day, we don't take care of ourselves. Um, you know, we cannot provide the best care for our patients, right? So why is this topic, um, you know, you know, so pre- prevalent right now? Why is it an important thing to talk about? What is it, you know, and, and uh, what are we dealing with right now? We're dealing with a, a crisis. You know, if we look at physician burnout, and, you know, that's, that's maybe not even the best word for this. We, we don't maybe understand the uh, underlying roots of this enough to give it a better name. So burnout satisfies you know, the recognition of the problem, but you know we we see people in healthcare that are just kind of at the end of their rope in their practice. They they feel like they don't have the control anymore of being able to interact with their patients in the way that they see fit. They have administrative uh, overhead that maybe ties their hands in a lot of cases. There's time limitations. There are so many things that have maybe brought us to this point. Um, and I, I know I haven't mentioned but a, a handful of them, but we're seeing people that are they're losing their uh, compassion and their empathy mm. and their mm. own self-care, you know, in this in this crisis situation. And we know that when physicians aren't able to take good care of themselves, they also aren't taking uh, the care of their patients isn't as good either. Um, and so we really need to approach this from from many different angles to one get to the underlying causes of this problem and the recognition of it. But uh, our own state of Iowa had done a survey, um, I think in 2015, of the physicians um, in the state of Iowa, and it was like 79.4% had at least one symptom of burnout. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a really high number of people that are, you know, finding something in their career that they've chosen to go into with many good intentions of being able to take care of people in a lifelong passionate career and mm-hmm. and they're finding that this is this is harder to do every day. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I mean um <clears throat> for and and we definitely need more and these are probably underestimated or under um counted, you know, numbers, but you know, the I think the latest surveys or the latest um numbers, you know, um just for physician suicide, you know, which is kind of like you know, the, the unfortunate, unfortunate, um, you know, end of, you know, complications from burnout is um, anywhere from, you know, an average of like a one a day, you know, up to like 400, you know, a year, right? And so it's quite unfortunate. And I read another uh, piece of uh, an article or data where you would have to uh, train almost four to five medical classes just to replace that, right? And physicians, healthcare providers in general, um, you know, we're already at a shortage in America. You know, we're already at a, you know, low, low numbers. So to be able to lose um, a practitioner is huge, you know? And so uh, following up with that, you know, uh, what do you, what do you think in terms of, um, you know, doctors can do 
whether it's from a lifestyle medicine perspective or a emotional and mental well-being perspective that they can do. Um, because I know for me, um, you know, physical health is important, but it's just, it's, it's important, if not more important, that we address mental and emotional well-being, you know, not just, you know, patients, but also our providers. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I think, you know, in lifestyle medicine, if we look at the six pillars, healthful eating, physical activity, managing stress, uh, those important relationships, our sleep and watching our substance use, you know, those really give us a great basis for not only patient care but self-care um, in in looking at lifestyle medicine as a tool for helping physicians do better in their own lives. These are great things because we often don't take the time to take care of ourselves. So many physicians don't sleep adequate amounts. They uh, don't eat a proper diet. They don't eat a healthful diet. You know, they're grabbing something in the doctor's lounge or they're grabbing something you know, at odd times of the day. Uh, and from a standpoint of social connections, the healthcare system has really changed. Uh, many physicians have become very siloed where primary care mm-hmm. providers used to go to the hospital and take care of their patients and they would mm-hmm. see the specialists in the hospital. And, you know, you really, you saw your community, your your teammates. And now that doesn't happen as much. You know, mm-hmm. we will refer to people that we've never met face-to-face where it used to be you could have those, you know, just quick conversations in the hall that might lead you to that aha moment about mm-hmm. your patient care and give you that interaction uh, with a friend and a colleague. And really, we, we are missing a lot of that in our communities these days. Mm-hmm. 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 So, you know, even just looking at some of those um, Stress management, we see physicians are are very stressed. Their overheads are going up. Their uh, EHR fees, you know, especially if they're in an independent practice, may be overwhelming some of their ability to, uh, you know, compensate for that with their patient volume. Um, we're seeing problems with reimbursement. You know, there's mm-hmm. just a, a lot of stresses that are, you know, adding up for people that are that are giving them some of those symptoms of burnout. Um, and then we see impaired physicians, substance abuse as coping mechanisms because yes. often we haven't been taught how to cope with this emotional and mental burden that we weren't expecting to see in our careers. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of... Um, you know, unless it's, it, it, I always feel, I always feel like uh, intangible um, things that we don't address. You know, like the pain, the stress, the suffering. You know, it's all, it's, it, it has to come down where you know you suffer a heart attack in order to address something, and that shouldn't be the case. You know, and in lifestyle medicine with the six pillars of health, um, you know, uh, you know, on a on a side note, it is lifestyle medicine week. You know, and we're really really happy to yes, celebrate happy that. Yeah, happy lifestyle medicine. <laughs> You know, and we're going to be uh, uh, definitely, uh, you know, sharing um, and reinforcing the six pillars um, is that, you know, we need to emphasize these things before it actually gets to that point, you know, um, provider and patient alike. Um, so, but I, I think that, you know, self-care goes a long way. Going back to, you know, the medical school, we never were, was taught about it. You know, nutrition by itself, I've been telling people that, you know, I received just like 10 credit hours, you know, but in terms of self-care, I mean, no, that was nowhere in the books. That was nowhere in the lectures. So it was something that, you know, Dr. True and I had to kind of go out and seek um, and, and really, really hone in and practice ourselves. 
Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, tell, tell me, um, tell me in, in the ways that you do it because you do it through Walk with a Doc, you do it with uh, the Chip Program, you do it with your, you know, Plant Pure Pod, um, you know, uh, uh, organization. Tell the audience members, share with them like what you do um, in each one of these and how how does it help in terms of a larger scale. Yeah, uh, so I, I'll i talk about the pod first. I was at an ACLM conference in which Nelson Campbell was there, and he was uh, presenting the movie that we were going to be watching on Tuesday night, and it was Plant Pure Nation. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as I sat and, you know, listened to Nelson and then watched this, this documentary, at some point he's talking about, you know, wanting to form this pod network. I'm on my iPad trying to figure out, oh, how do I do this pod? You know, we need this mm-hmm. at home. So I I signed up to become a, a pod group leader. And really, these were things very much um, outside my comfort zone. I think mm-hmm. that I was, all, I was always just kind of, I worked and I was home. And that was about all I did. I didn't branch out into the community. I kind of avoided that type of stuff. You know, my, my leisure activities were biking, <laughs> which I usually did by myself or, you know, with a friend or two. And so, as I discovered lifestyle medicine and realized the importance of, of this message getting number one to healthcare providers, physicians, nurses, you know, everybody on the team, but also into the community. And, and Nelson's point about this being a very grassroots effort, um, really struck home with me that, okay, uh, you know, we can reach one person at a time in the clinic, but boy, if we get out in the community, we can reach more people at the same time. So I, um, started this pod. I called it Heartland Rooted. I think it was um, February of 2016, and uh, a friend at a local university helped me set up a room that um, you know we could have people meet in. I hung up some flyers, maybe put some on Facebook, and had no idea who was going to show up. And so I don't remember. We maybe had 15 people or so that walked in the room. Mm-hmm. Never met these people before, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh my goodness, there are other people who eat this way that live here in this <laughs> area." I had no idea, and so we had people come together that were discovering whole food, plant based lifestyles on their own, and mm. and you know, for some people that can be a challenge to figure out how to change your eating pattern and how to do a different style of cooking and where to go and what do you do at restaurants. And if they don't have anybody else to talk to, it can be very challenging. And so Mm -hmm. we had this group of people come together and and we had an instant community. And uh, we've been going strong since that time. Mm. Um, A a couple of years into it, uh, some of the pod members came forward and said, we'd like to maybe see this really do well and take it to the next level. So we formed a steering committee that ended up becoming a board and we incorporated our pod as a nonprofit organization. We hold a monthly whole food plant-based potluck with a meeting and a speaker of which you've been um, very gracious to provide speaking for us in the past. <laughs> it was a uh, lot of fun. Yeah. And it's just, it is. And it's so much fun to see these people come together because now we have folks that have become friends, they come and share with each other, and for people yeah. who are maybe exploring this lifestyle or exploring what it maybe means for their their loved ones, they come and they, they taste delicious food, they meet other mm. people who have been somewhere along this journey, and they get to hear their story, and often the story, that narrative component 
that medicine sometimes lacks these days. You know, we get to tell our stories and share with each other, and it can really be very powerful in helping people move their their health needle, you know, in ways that mm-hmm. they may not have imagined possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because, you know, you're doing it in a way where you are harnessing the power of community. And, um, you know, like you were saying before, um, you know, it's just lacking in our society right now, you know, at least in America. And, uh, I mean, you know, depending on where you, you know, uh, uh, live, obviously location and proximity is, um, is, uh, is very important. But we're in the age, you know, since the Internet and since, you know, social media, since, you know, all these technologies is that even though we are connected, you know, virtually more, I, you know, I would argue that we were actually more disconnected, you know, in a way. Um, and especially the younger generations that, you know, grow up and are born into, you know, an iPad in their face, you know, from, you know, from a toddler on up. You see these, you know, kids, you know, crying and stuff and their parents just shove them an iPad and it's... Um, I just, uh, I just, you know, shiver to, 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 to predict, you know, how they're going to actually, you know, relate to one another, you know, socially. But, you know, with that aside, you know, I think it's awesome that, um, that you're doing this, not only harnessing the power of the community, but you're also teaching them a plant-based lifestyle. Um, so, so going off of that, you know, what, um, was there something in your health journey, uh, for example, um, that you felt like turning to a, a plant-based lifestyle was uh, paramount, or was this your your experience and you know uh, 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 you know knowledge and research through it that made you felt like a shift was important, and why why is it important uh, to to share with our patients? You know, so I have a little bit of a maybe funny story. Um, I was a few years into my practice, and I, I worked late on Wednesday nights. And I have to say, I was never a big meat eater. You know, even even growing up, that just wasn't a big part of my diet. And I always mm-hmm. had toyed with this idea of like, you know, I should I should just be a vegetarian. But I never <laughs> committed to that. You know, it was just kind of a thing in my head. So I'm I'm working late on Wednesday night, and some friends had called and said, Hey, you know, do you want to meet for dinner? And I said, Sure. You know, let me wrap up here, and, and I'll meet you over there. So as I'm driving over, NPR had this segment on, and it was about. Um, the bacteria that occurs in in poultry, like in chickens. And Mm. this company had a solution. They had a farm that you came and you pointed at which chicken you wanted and they processed it for you. And so in the in the course of this interview, you can hear the chickens in the back kind of bark, 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 you know, kind of clucking and sounding (laughs) very calm and, you know, that that kind of nice sound. And all of a sudden the one chicken's like bark, bark, bark. I'm like, oh, I know what just happened to that chicken. So I get to the restaurant. I'm like, guys, I don't, I don't think I can eat chicken tonight. You know, I just listen to the segment. And I'd actually worked at Oscar Mayer um, prior to going to med school and had, mm. had seen turkey processing plants. I mean, I knew the process. I'd been an inspector. So, you know, why I chose that moment to, like, have that impactful sound kind of trigger this, I don't think I can eat chicken anymore. You know, and it was just that night, I thought. But as time went on, I never ate meat again and really found that I maybe became more of that ethical vegetarian uh, just because I, I didn't eat my pets. <laughs> Why should mm-hmm. I eat these other, other living creatures? And But I still um, you know, had dairy and eggs in my diet. And I think when I started with ACLM, one of the first years, um, T. Colin Campbell must have spoken, and I was listening to his comments about um, the effects of animal products on the human body. 
And it, mm-hmm. it kind of gave me that other light bulb moment that, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eliminate the dairy and eggs. And, you know, and I also had some other, you know, the global impact and the impact on the animals that really fed into my desire to, to change. And so one interesting thing that came out of that, so, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to eat my friends and then, I had this health recognition that went along with our nutrition component. Mm-hmm. And then I'd always kind of wanted to be a runner as, as a cyclist, but I always wanted to be a runner. I was never a good runner. I had asthma since I was a you know small child. <laughs> and after I changed my diet, I I could run. And I ended up doing a couple half marathons without mm. a whole lot of training. You know, so it was like, I think it's my diet. You know, that's that's really the only thing that changed. So, yeah. you know, I saw, I, I don't have like the, you know, I lost 100 pounds and changed all these things, got rid of all these diseases. You know, mine was maybe just little things. But to be able to do something like that, that I would not have really ever imagined being able to do, that's what I can attribute it to. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's awesome. Um, you know, the fact that you had that experience at working at Oscar Myers and, you know, you can watch these documentaries and think that, you know, in some parts, people could argue that it's propaganda or something like that. You know, there's always going to be different camps, you know, saying different things. But, you know, I mean, you know, you could say yourself that, um, you know, it's this is how they do it. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's not just that. I mean, like, it's really about um, the research, you know, and you and I have, you know, looked at it, um, you know, over and over again. And it's just, there's just absolutely no benefit, you know, from, you know, eating more animal products in our system, you know, and, um, and it's, it's something that, you know, it's something that we want to be able to teach, not just in terms of health, but now, you know, it's a, coming to a point where um, it's affecting our planet, you know, because of the, the amount of land and resources and utilities that are needed to be able to raise this kind of livestock, right? And um, how much that is uh, affecting and negatively affecting um, on the climate and our planet to the point where, you know, it's not sustainable anymore. So it doesn't matter your reasoning to eat or not eat, you know, animals, it's it's just not sustainable anymore, you know? So um, so I'm, I'm glad that you're able to have that, you know, type of, you know, experience, um, you know, because everyone has been different, but, um, you know, uh, and, and the fact that you've been able to take these things and actually create um, and facilitate these programs. So definitely, definitely applied um, to you. Um, so Can we're I gonna... share one quick look? Yeah. So, so the the movie um, Forks Over Knives. When I became a chip facilitator, they gave us this DVD as part of our package, and so we uh-huh. had uh, hadn't watched it yet. And we had traveled um, to Southern Illinois on a trip. And on our way home, I'm like, "Hey, it's your turn to drive." To my husband, I, I need to watch this DVD. So I sat in the car. You know, I'm trapped for a few hours. Watching yeah. DVD, and he got to listen to the whole DVD. And he was not um, he was not a vegetarian. Uh-huh. Uh, he listened to this, and I, you know, we get home, and I said, "What would you think?" He's like, "You know what? This made a lot of sense." And he stopped eating animal products, and that was uh, um, probably what 2014 around Thanksgiving time. Um, and he was on cholesterol medicine; uh, his weight was mm. higher than he would like. And within just months of of changing that part of his lifestyle, nothing else. You know, he he lost 10 pounds, and, you know, by a few years later, he lost 30 pounds. It's never come back. He's off of his cholesterol medicine. Uh, his cholesterol is great. And it was just this dietary change that 
wasn't hard for him to do. So, you know, even just little changes can make huge differences for people. And we hear those stories in lifestyle medicine every day. But Mm -hmm. it's nice to have somebody um, at your side that can also speak. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, um, you know, we need more uh, stories like that. And and it's going to change people in different ways, you know, and it's something that, um, you know, for the ones that are listening in and if you're thinking about transitioning, um, it's important to do it with your primary care physician, you know, and, uh, you know, definitely get a personal trainer if you want to start a fitness program and, and things like that. But, it's, um, you know, I would say um, definitely find the resources and start because it's definitely benefiting not just us as healthcare providers, but, you know, like we're talking about with uh, physician wellness, you know, it affects, you know, how well uh, we teach others and, you know, how we, you know, kind of prescribe this type of um, lifestyle, you know, for others. Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, so I kind of want to want to conclude, and um, you know, last bit that I uh, do for audience members is, you know, um, giving them these gems and nuggets, and um, or plant based nuggets. Bada <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's so corny. I know, it's so corny. Uh, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted you to come up with three tips uh, for our audience members, um, and especially our, um, you know, healthcare providers. You know, what are what are your three go-to tips for self-care? Um, you know, that you practice. You know, for you um, to to reinforce uh, your own well-being, and what can you share with others? You know, I think one of the first things that people can do is figure out what makes them happy. You know, a lot of times I think we think our careers um, are satisfying us and, and creating some of that happiness, but we also know that people who thrive have interests outside of their careers that can really help them to be happier. So figuring out some of those things that make you happy and exploring them. It's kind of like when we tell people to exercise and they say, well, what kind of exercise should I do? You know, you should do the one that you will do. So finding things like hobbies and volunteering and getting maybe involved in things that are outside your box um, that can light that spark inside of you that that gives you maybe an extra reason to get up every day. Mm-hmm. Um Connecting with like-minded people, I think, is huge. And as we see more of these physician silos and other healthcare practitioners that are kind of siloed in their their offices and not engaged in the medical community, uh, I think finding this lifestyle medicine community has opened uh, this huge network of people who who you can really connect with. Um, like the conference in Costa Rica, you know, having mm-hmm. people who were participating, they were the lecturers and the participants, and really gave us that nice bond together that we've stayed connected with all of these years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is also to approach with a positive attitude. Uh, so much in medicine today gets people down. We see a lot of negativity and complaining. Um, and so finding things that you are grateful for 
and practicing that gratitude and approaching things with a, a positive outlook. Um, maybe recognizing when you're negative and figuring out how to change that around so that you know maybe you are taking a better attitude. Um, and it shows. Your your patients will notice. Your colleagues will notice. Mm-hmm. When you're uplifting yourself, you uplift others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can add a fourth one, you know, if people are suffering from those symptoms of burnout, you know, one thing is really to recognize it. Uh, we, we see people who often don't know that they're there. Um, talk to your colleagues. Reach out to them. If you see them acting unlike themselves or having some of those negativity or, uh, you know, some of the other symptoms of burnout, lack of empathy, they're not caring about themselves or their patients, you know, reach out. Sometimes it does take that... Um, friendly face, you know, to find out that somebody really can use that helping hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. And I would definitely add to that, you know, because, you know, sometimes doctors, you know, we, like you said, you know, um, you know, we can practice very, very, we're very autonomous and we're very independent um, people. Um, but the drawback to that is we kind of feel like we don't need anyone, you know, and we kind of hide our pain and our own suffering. Um, you know, before we even recognize it, you know, like you said. So, you know, I would emphasize to my healthcare, you know, um, professionals and providers that, you know, definitely, definitely reach out, you know, um, you know, phone in, um, you know, check in on your fellow colleague if something is off. And um, let's keep on continuing to practice wellness, not only, you know, uh, teaching it for our clients and patients, but, you know, practicing it ourselves. So, um, thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming in on the show. Um, uh, this has been awesome. You are awesome. Please continue to do the, you know, you know, the greatest work that yeah, you're doing right now. And I can't wait to see what's coming down the pike for you. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Colin. This was very exciting, and it's so nice <laughs> to talk to you again. We don't get to do this yeah. often enough. I know, I know, I know. So this has been wonderful. So, um, so uh, for those for those who don't know you, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? Uh, probably email or join our Plant Pure Nation pod uh, Facebook pay, uh, group, um, mm-hmm. or you can find me on our local Walk with a Doc Facebook page as well. Um, mm-hmm. Probably the best three ways. Okay, awesome. And I'll include those links for everyone to see. All right, guys, this has been a, another episode of Thrive Bites. Thank you for coming on to the show, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everyone. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.